What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Athletic Hockey Show, the Wednesday Roundtable Edition. I am Rob Pizzo from CBC Sports, joined as always by Sarah Sivian. How are you, Sarah? Excellent. How are you? I'm doing good. And finally, our co-host decides to get off the big fancy golf courses and come and actually talk a little hockey. Jesse Granger back in Vegas. Man, those pictures look good, Jesse. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, No complaints for me. Yeah, I didn't think there'd be complaints. We were <laughs> slamming there last week because we're working and you're just putting these awesome pictures up. But uh, yeah, we got a, a jam-packed show as we always do. We're going to get to some of the big topics, guys, but we've got not one, but two guests on the show today. Pete DeBoer, the new head coach of the Dallas Stars, going to be joining us uh, later on in the show. And the keeper of the cup, Phil Pritchard, uh, who has been obviously uh, you know traveling around the world with the cup. Uh, with the Colorado Avalanche, real quick, guys. I don't. I don't know if you've ever told a joke that's so bad that you think about it years later. Um, I was in South Korea covering the Olympics. I'm in this empty hallway, just me and my producer, and Phil Pritchard walks by. It's just the three of us, and I look at him and I kind of say, ha, "Aren't you missing something?" And he's like, "Ha!" And he walked away. And as soon as he left, my producer's like, "You're such an idiot." You know how many times he probably hears that dumb joke. And I've spoke to Phil about it later on. But every time we we talk, I'm just like, "Oh, please, please, just ignore that joke." But um, I'm not going to say it on the podcast. But like I said, we've got a jam packed show. Let's get right to it. Finally, guys, finally. Nazem Kadri has signed on the dotted line seven years, $49 million with the expected. No, not the expected. Calgary Flames, the next guy to sign somewhere where we didn't expect it. Um, how surprised were you guys when you saw this news? Sarah, we'll start with you. Very surprised. I don't know. I don't know. Um, that sounded like that sounded like a question more than an answer. I've just come <laughs> to expect the unexpected. Jesse, how do you feel about this? Maybe I'll get inspiration. I was shocked. Um, I thought that the longer this went on, it was just because of the way Lou Lamarillo operates and the way that yeah. the Islanders have done everything. I just assumed the 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 only reason he, they haven't announced the signing is because it's with the Islanders. Um, any other team would have just told the media like normal people, but <laughs> on. Long Island, they do things differently. So to me, that was like the, the number one reason I thought it was on. He was going to the Islanders was just because of there's no way that it actually took him this long to to choose a team. But apparently it did. Um, it's I think it's fun, man. This, this NHL offseason has has really we, we don't get this much in hockey where it's like just things coming out of nowhere um, like you do in the NBA. Like it, it, it this was a fun offseason. I wish more offseasons were like this. You know, even doing this show, a lot of times, you know, on August 24th, you're kind of like, Ugh, what, what are we going to talk about this week? That's not the case. Um, I was at a family event over the weekend and I have an uncle who lumps all hockey media into one. And he's like, well, you guys have sucked this offseason. You thought Johnny Goudreau was, you know, heading to uh, New Jersey? Nope. He goes to Columbus. You thought Kachuk, you said it's done deal. He's going to St. Louis. No, he goes to Florida. And now we've got Kadri who... You know, it was reported pretty much that it was a done deal with the Islanders at seven to seven, and then he he's doing this. Um, does Brad Treliving just deserve a massive raise? You know, you talk about making chicken salad out of chicken shit. I can't believe what he's done in this offseason. Jesse, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, we like as as a Vegas reporter, I obviously that's their biggest Pacific Division opponents and 
a few days into this offseason, it felt like the end of an era in Calgary. Like yeah. this team has has they were the winners of the Pacific Division last year. It felt like they are going to plummet to the bottom. And here we are two months later. You could argue they're better. Um, it's like we're, yeah. we, you got to see how it works on the ice. Hockey is, is, is more than any sport is how pieces fit on the ice. We don't know how this is all going to work. But from a pure talent standpoint, the Calgary Flames are more talented than they were. And that is insane considering they had a bunch of star players who just didn't want to play there. Like it wasn't like mm-hmm. they couldn't afford them. They just didn't want to play there. That it's crazy to me. They that, turned down money to leave. Yeah. I am arguing now that they're going to be better next year than they were last year. And I do. I kind of rolled my eyes when the return for Kachuk was UFAs, but now the picture is coming together. And this is an example for, uh, there are some other teams where they don't, they kind of give up right after things like this happen with Drew and Kachuk, but it's like, they did not give up and they found out ways to fill these holes. And I feel like that's an example for other teams. Like a lot of fans let GMs use excuses, right? That, Oh, they, this happened. They weren't expecting it. Whatever. Work harder. You're an NHL GM. Let's go. <laughs> I feel I'm not, I'm not like a race car driving fan or anything, but I feel like one of those times where you're positive, a crash is about to happen and they somehow like straighten the car out and keep going. And I think that's what Brad, Bradshaw living did. By the way, I can't wait to see Nazem Kadri in the battle of Alberta. I, I think that that there, like he is tailor made for a rivalry like that. Um, Sarah, I'm going to start with you on this one for obviously reasons. We had another signing, Paul Stastny, one year, one and a half million bucks with the Carolina Hurricanes. Your thoughts on this one? Yeah, good for them. Good deal. I like it. I think good hold to fill after the um, patch ready news happened. So I, I think they had to figure that out one way or another. We'll see how it goes. I love Stasny. Um, yeah. Got to got to cover him here in Vegas. One of my favorite players to talk hockey with. Uh, just really, really smart. Understands what's happening on the ice better than pretty much anyone I've ever spoken to. Um, he, for a million and a half dollars, it's like, this guy, it's, he's going to outproduce that. It's almost like yeah. very, very rarely do you sign a contract where it's like guaranteed the player is going to outproduce this contract. Um, this is one where it's like, Slam dunk, he will be better than his his cap hit is for a team like Carolina that's trying. They've been very good. They're trying to get over the hump. Getting a player that's that good for that little of money to me is a is a huge win. I don't understand how he didn't get more than that from other teams. Maybe he just wanted to play in Carolina. It I'm shocked at that number for Paul Stasny. He does and have we're bonuses. It more and more. Yeah, he does right. have bonuses yeah. if uh, they win the cup. So that's kind of exciting. Veterans who take a little bit of a pay cut because, you know, they want that chance. At the cup, 36 years old, 45 points last season. Um, you know, we were talking about the, uh, the Kadri deal earlier. One of the moves that was also made to, to clear space for Kadri was Sean Monahan, uh, heading to Montreal. And during that little press availability, uh, GM Kent Hughes said that Carey Price's knee, the news on it is discouraging and it's unlikely he's going to be able to play this entire season. And, you know, the word retire wasn't officially said, but obviously, a lot of people are using that word. Um, is he the, if it does happen, is Carey Price the best goalie of his generation, Sarah? Oh. I, I, when I ask a question like that, I always look to see who's the most perplexed with the question. And that's who I picked to go first. So Sarah, go ahead. I do remember asking some of the Hurricanes, um, who would you want in net? in game seven. And a lot of the Canadian ones said Carey Price. I do think he was that maybe international play and that like he was kind of a cult hero, I guess, maybe a cult hero, but I don't know. I think it's too soon to say, but he definitely left his mark. Jesse. 
It's such a hard question to answer because I know because, that's why I asked it because if <laughs> because I think there's there are different ways of looking about that like who's the best goalie like who had the best career certainly not Carey Price um, he didn't he doesn't have the best stats he never won a cup he 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 never really he's only had one deep run into the playoffs I mean maybe two if you count the one a few years back but to me when you when I watch Carey Price on the ice. He's the best goalie. Like the, the, his techniques, his he's he's always in the right spot. If you're trying to teach a young goalie how to play goalie, these are the correct ways to play goalie. These are the positions you need to be in. This is where you need to be on your crease when the puck is here. He's always there. He's he is like almost robotic. Like a human can't be that perfect in terms of his positioning. He's so good at it. It's almost <laughs> like like Dan Marino. Like when I think of quarterbacks, like Dan Marino might have been the best quarter might have been the best athlete. Like player at the quarterback position. He played it better than anyone. But does anyone say Dan Marino's the best quarterback ever? No, because he didn't win Super Bowls. My question yeah. is, what generation are we putting him in? Like, who are the other people in his class? I think Henrik Lundqvist. Okay, that's, that's, yeah, to me. Well, he is, but I would. I always argue this about Carey Price. His highs are high. Like, that Hart Trophy winning season was arguably one of the greatest seasons a goaltender has ever had yeah. in this league. Um but consistency, I look at what Henrik Lundqvist did throughout his career, just consistent. I, If you're asking me who to build a team around, maybe I'm taking Henrik Lundqvist over over Carey Price. If you're asking me game seven of the Stanley Cup final, maybe I'm taking Carey Price. It's it's a tough question. You know what I mean? And, and that's why I wanted to ask it. Um, last thing before we go to break, guys. <laughs> As if the Arizona Coyotes don't give us enough uh, stuff to talk about. We know they're going to be playing at Arizona State University, that 5,000-seat arena that is still under construction. Uh, but that arena now has a name. It is the Mullet Arena. Now, it's in recognition of Donna and Barbara Mullet who helped <laughs> get them to Division One. I. I want to just say that. They didn't just say, hey, the hockey hair, let's name it after this. But social media went a little nuts. My my favorite one uh, was Sun Devils in the front, Coyotes in the back from somebody <laughs> on, uh, on Twitter. Uh, Luke Muse. I want to give him credit for for saying that. But I mean, come on, Arizona. I don't want I don't want any disrespect to Donald and Barbara Mullet. But no one in the meeting kind of went. Um, we're probably going to get mocked for this. <laughs> it keeps giving them press, though. I right. will say, like, they're not going to get much good press for the things that are going on so they might as well lean into it and like be kind of lighthearted. i mean i guess if your name is mullet your name is mullet i don't know how else they could rectify that situation but i like it mullet arena let's go <laughs> it's just hilarious that this whole story is so strange and like the the, the coyotes playing in the street like it's such a weird story and then the fact that it just continues with this name it's great it, it's like on brand the war continues. And I am old enough to have had just a sick, sick mullet. Not ironically, guys, when everyone had the mullet. Maybe I'll show you a picture more of these days. Um, after the break, Pete DeBoer, the new head coach of the Dallas Stars, who thankfully does not have a mullet. So don't go anywhere. Well, when the 2022-23 season kicks off uh, and you look behind the benches of a lot of teams, it might look a little bit different. There were a lot of moves uh, in the offseason. And that includes the Dallas Stars, and we are really pleased to be joined by their new head coach, Pete DeBoer, joining us on the Athletic Hockey Show. Thanks so much for doing this, Pete. Absolutely. Uh, you've been the head coach of the Dallas Stars for a grand total of 64 days. So um, I know you're just getting your feet wet, but uh, how's the transition been so far? 
64 days. That, that's about the, the time we were in the bubble with uh, Vegas my first time around. So, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like a long time when, when you're stuck in a bubble for two months. It, it, uh, it felt like 10 years. But, uh, you know, I, I'm excited. Um, got a chance to spend a little bit of time in, uh, in Dallas through the summer and uh obviously had conversations with all their key players and um you know i'm excited to get there we're just wrapping things up here in canada in the next week and i'm going to start heading that direction did you like the city you know what i've always loved dallas going in as a visiting coach um big city uh real friendly lots to do great downtown uh, i'm just getting to know Kind of the outskirts, uh, our practice rink is out in Frisco, Plano area where the Dallas Cowboys just built a brand new uh, practice facility that, that's unbelievable. Uh, I think uh, the PGA also just built their new headquarters there. So it reminds me a little bit of Vegas. It's a bigger city, but really quickly growing. Uh, a lot of new people going in, a lot of construction going on. So, yeah, I, I love the weather. I love the uh the tax rate in, in Texas. So there's a lot of good things. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, we're, we're obviously going to talk a lot about the stars uh, throughout this conversation, but before we do, I do want to ask you, I kind of alluded to it off the top there. Uh, we're going to have 10 teams with new coaches. Uh, it's been an interesting off season for people like us who get to cover and talk about it. Um, you know, a lot of those coaches were behind other benches last year. I, I've always wanted to know, do you guys talk amongst each other when, when things like this happen, when vacancies happen? I mean, you're you're taking over for somebody who is elsewhere right now. Do you send text messages to each other saying, give me the good and bad reasons why maybe I should come here or or maybe stay away? Well, yeah, we, we are a fraternity, so there is communication. It, it, it is, uh, you know, it, it's a really unique time right now in the NHL. Um, you know, in, in my, this is going to be my 15th season now. Um, you know, I haven't seen uh, such quick trigger fingers, I think, just in, in the league in general. And, uh, you know, for me, when you look at the two teams at the end of the day that were left standing, they had they, they were probably the two teams with the most stability over over the time in Tampa and Colorado. So, you know, I'm not sure it makes a lot of sense. We were uh, I was at the Canadian Coaching Olympic meetings last summer uh, for a week with John Cooper, Barry Trotz. Bruce Cassidy and myself and uh at the end of the season three of the four of us were fired so you know <laughs> the, you have to shake your head and, and wonder uh a little bit about uh what's going on in the league but but it is a win now league uh, there's a lot of pressure uh, to win immediately that I think filters from ownership to management um I think I think managers are getting fired quicker than they ever have been in the past so and I think that just filters down to us. Pete, I think we kind of know the answer based on what you said there, but um, it seems like you were a bit surprised um, to, to not be coaching in Vegas this year, I guess. What do, you, what do you think was ultimately the reason that they decided to move on? Like you said, everyone in the league, there's pressure to win. And obviously in Vegas, that's that's true also. But what, what do you think ultimately was made that decision for them? Yeah, you know what, Jesse, I, I, I'm not sure. You know, I, I think when you're making a decision like that, there's a bunch of factors. I, I'm sure... You know, but it, but it essentially comes down to, um, you know, are we going to be better? You know, is, is this is is Pete DeBoer and whoever his staff's going to be going to be part of the solution to win a Stanley Cup this year, or you know, can we do we feel we have to 
do something else. And I think it just comes, it's simply that. And I think there's a, a, a ton of factors that go into that uh, when you're making those decisions. Um, but, uh, you know, you'd have to ask the, the people making those decisions. I think for me, uh, you know, was I surprised? Yeah, I was surprised. I, I thought we, we had a, an unheralded uh, amount of uh, injuries and, and things that we dealt with this year that I've never seen before in my time in the league. And I actually thought our staff and, and players, you know, really battled uh, to get 94 points. Uh, you know, and the perspective of that is the year before I got to Vegas, uh, Vegas made the playoffs with 93 points, I think. So, um, you know, it was one of those years, but, uh, you know, in this league, you have to have a short memory. Uh, I'm excited about the opportunity. I think everything happens for a reason. Uh, my phone rang and, and, uh, a great hockey man in Jim Nill called who, uh, I've got a tremendous amount of respect for, excited to work for. And, uh, you know, as I dug into the Dallas Stars, I, I started to get really excited. Uh, they've got a, a lot of great young players coming. Um, they've got a nice blend of, of veteran guys there. And um, so, you know, my, my excitement, you know, it's kind of in the rearview mirror now. My, my excitement now is about what we can do in Dallas. You say there's more turnover now than in 15 years of when you've been a coach in the NHL. Why do you think that is? And do you think that's a good or bad thing? Well, I don't, I don't think it's a good thing, Sarah. I, I think, like I said, I, you know, I, I don't think it's an accident that the, the teams with the stability, you know, have been the best teams in the league recently. And, you know, I guess it goes hand in hand, right? Stability comes with winning, but both those franchises had some really big bumps along the way and, and hit some potholes. Tampa missed the playoffs, you know, and, and uh, ended up with a top two or three pick and, and still stuck with it. Uh, Colorado, you know, I think uh, personally in San Jose, we beat them twice in the, in the second round. And in Vegas, we beat them once in the second round. So they couldn't get past the second round for years with a really good team and, and stuck with it. So, you know, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I do know as a coach, it takes some time to implement your system, to get guys comfortable in it, to get guys moving seamlessly around the ice. And, you know, if you're, if you're changing consistently, you, you get short-term bumps in, in play and, and things like that. But unless the program's got, gone right off the rails or the players have absolutely tuned you right out, um, you know, I, I, I just don't see it. Along those lines, Pete, you know, a lot of times when a coach gets fired, um, you know, everybody piles on, including including the players, because they're going to get asked about it by the media. Uh, but Max Pacioretty did uh, an interview recently, and I want to read you the quote. He said, quote, probably the best coach I've had to date in terms of getting the best of me. Um, and I, I've always wondered about the, the balance of a coach, because, yes, you could be structurally sound. You could have all your X's and O's down, but you are dealing with a whole bunch of players. When you hear quotes like that, um, how does that obviously make you feel? And, and, and could you maybe walk us through a little bit of that? Because when you're coming into a new team, a team that didn't make the playoffs, you're, you have to actually manage these people as people as well as maybe changing some of the systems. Yeah, well, you know, that, that's really nice to hear, especially from an established player like Max. Uh, you know, this is a guy who's been a captain of the Montreal Canadiens, been in the league for a long time. Um you know, and, and has a tremendous amount of respect and, and has played for a lot of coaches. So, 
you know, that, that's a great, I take that as a great compliment. And, and I also think it's a compliment to him because he was open to coaching. I think when I took the job in Vegas, um, uh, the team, you know, it was coming off a year where they, they got beat in the first round of the playoffs by San Jose the previous year where I was, um, you know, other than the, the run to the, the Stanley Cup final, um, they really hadn't had a, a, a you know, it wasn't really heading in, in a great direction at the time I came in. I think the team was around 500 around Christmas and kind of battling for playoff spots. So, you know, it was a group that was looking for some answers. Uh, we went into the bubble. Our offense dried up in the conference final, uh, you know, probably a little bit the round before against Vancouver. Um, you know, and then the next year in Montreal, the same thing. But the thing I liked about Max was, you know, he, he wasn't happy just with scoring 30 goals. You know, he wanted to win a Stanley Cup. He wanted to win in the playoffs, like a lot of those guys did. And they were looking for answers and they were open to coaching and they were open to add layers to their game. Um, and, you know, you say that should be common. It's common for young players coming in the league, established veterans. Some of those guys don't want to, they don't want to look for answers. You know, just let me do what I've done my whole career. And, uh, you know, I think Max was really open-minded to that, which was, which was great to see and great to work with. To, to kind of transition things to Dallas, uh, you mentioned getting to know players. Um, I'm wondering how much does having Joe Pavelski there help you? Um, obviously you've, you've worked with him. He can, he can kind of help introduce the players to you, introduce you to the players. Does, does, how much does that help? Yeah, well, it gives us some instant credibility with the group. I mean, Joe is one of the most respected players and people in the game. Uh, you know, the fact that he's given us his endorsement, you know, he's seen it firsthand, what, what we want to do, what the program is that we want to run. And he believes that that's the answer to help them win a Stanley Cup. You know, this is a guy, uh, you know, he, he's he's at the, the he's on the back nine of his career, so to speak. Uh, and uh, he wants to win a Stanley Cup. So, you know, he, he's not doing it because... He likes to have a beer with with Pete DeBoer. He wants to win a Stanley Cup and and genuinely thinks that we have some things that we can maybe implement to help them get closer to that. So, um, you know, great to see him again. He's a fabulous hockey player. He's an even better person and leader in the room. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just excited. You never know when you leave a team if you're going to, you know, there's, there's special players through your coaching career that you've coached. Some of the guys that I've had, Joe Thornton, uh, Yarmer Yager, uh, you know, there's always some special guys there that, you know, when, when you walk out of an organization, you never know if you'll get a chance to work with them again. So I think when I left San Jose, uh, Brent Burns, Joe Thornton, Joe Pavelski, Logan Couture, Thomas Hurdle were guys that, you know, I, I really felt, uh, boy, I wish I'm going to miss working with those guys. So the, the chance I get to work with, with Joe again is, uh, is special. Uh, Pete, we live in a cap world. And because of it, sometimes teams can be active in the offseason. Sometimes they can't. The Stars weren't able to make the big splash because of the money. Um, but you're very familiar with this team. I'm wondering how that affects how you approach camp. Are you going in with kind of a blank slate? saying, I got to see what I have before I, I, I figure out what I want to do? Um, or is it you've got a, a definite plan that you, you want to go in there with? Yeah. Well, it kind of goes back to one of your earlier questions, Robert. It was uh, you asked if we, we stay in touch as a coaching fraternity and share notes and things like that. You know, I we, we are a fraternity. We do stay in touch. I talked to Bruce Cassidy, but it was more about, 
uh, you know, where to live and schools for his kids and things like that. I, I think every coach is different. I, I purposely uh, didn't dive into the previous coaches, Rick Bonus or, or his coaching staff's thoughts on guys. I, I really believe the, the the great thing about a, a fresh set of eyes on the group is it's a fresh set of eyes for everybody. And you don't want to drag in perceptions of of previous staffs or people to that. So, you know, I don't offer them. I didn't offer them to Bruce on the, on the Vegas team unless he wanted them. Uh, and I wasn't looking for them going into Dallas, but uh, you know, we did add in the, in, you know, even though it's a cap world, we did add, we, we added Mason Marchment, who I think is going to be a huge piece for us. Um, you know, tragic story this summer. I, I was, I was good friends with his father and, and so was Steve, Steve spot, my assistant coach who grew up with him. Um, so Mason's got a lot on his plate, but boy, he established himself last year as a, an impact player in the NHL. And so we're adding him up front. We lost Klingberg and they got to re-sign Ottinger and, and Robertson, who are two young guys who have established themselves as, as real NHL players that are going to get paid like that. Um, but you know, we got some young guys coming, but that, that's the cap world, right? Your young guys have to keep moving. You got to keep putting young guys in underneath. And, you know, the challenge for us in Dallas is going to be getting, you know, another layer of production out of our veteran guys there that are there. Yeah, Mason had said that part of the reason he's going to Dallas is because of those close relationships. What does that mean to you? Well, it, it's it's really important to me. I mean, it was such a tragic event. You know, a, a great man gone way too soon. Uh, I mean, you know, I was just... It was actually, I was in shock for weeks after. Um, so, you know, the, I think Steve and I both feel the fact that we get to be around Mason this winter and support him through this would be something, you know, I think both of us would like to think that his dad would uh, would have appreciated um, last thing I want to ask you about quickly goaltending, which is always something that's kind of, uh, you know, the spotlight on the coach on making decisions. Uh, we saw Jake Onger just turn heads in the playoffs, but I know in your press conference, you mentioned the hard part is getting him to kind of continue to ride that wave into the next season. Have you spoken to Jake and, uh, obviously contracts aside, what have you talked to him about, uh, as far as maybe riding that playoff wave? Well, I have talked to Jake and, and, and Jesse might disagree, but I, I don't have a lifetime problem with goaltenders. Uh, you know, it was kind of a, a Vegas specific thing that uh, we had a few issues, pre-pump, but uh, I actually, I get along really well with goaltenders uh, throughout most of my career. So, um, you know, I'm excited about working with Jake. My son actually played at Boston university with him for a year. Uh, so I've, I've known him prior to this relationship um a little bit uh obviously saw what everyone else saw in the playoffs last year great young goalie i i, I think with with goalies i mean i uh, this is how how long i've been in the league now i i was in florida as a head coach when we drafted jacob markstrom in florida and people forget that jacob markstrom was a florida draft pick and at that time he was supposed to be you know the most ready player outside the nhl ready to come in and it took him eight or nine years till he got to Vancouver in the last two or three years to really establish himself as a bona fide starter. So, you know, I, I think the fact Jake is where he's at, he's way ahead of the curve uh, for a lot of uh, great goaltenders when you look at their history. Um, but, you know, uh, like Carter Hart in Philadelphia, it's not easy to replicate 
success. You know, that's what makes great goalies great. That's, that's what makes you either a good goalie or, you know, you're talking about a, an elite starter like Vasilevsky or Marty Berdur or guys like that. It's the guys that can, can turn uh, that initial success into continued success year in, year out for a career. Uh, Pete, you're not alone. Jesse always tells us we're wrong about goaltenders as well. Uh, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Good luck in Dallas, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you throughout the season. Thanks, guys. Big thanks to Pete DeBoer, the new head coach of the Dallas Stars. After the break, the man who wears the white gloves, the keeper of the cup, Phil Pritchard, will be joining us. So don't go anywhere. Well, if you've watched the Stanley Cup final over the last, oh, 33 years, and if you're listening to the show, I bet you have. You are very familiar with our next guest. You know him as the keeper of the cup. I'm a professional, so I'm going to introduce him by his given name, Phil Pritchard, joining us on the Athletic Hockey Show. Thanks so much for doing this, Phil. Hey, Rob. It's always good to chat. How's everything doing today? We're doing great, but we want to know where you are because I know the off season is just a whirlwind of traveling and uh, accompanying that very <laughs> old trophy around. Where are we finding you today? Yeah, that very old trophy is a very beautiful trophy, though, isn't it? We're, uh, it is. We're in Ontario at a golf course. Actually, I'm at the golf range right now. And it's uh, Adam Foote, who is uh, one of the uh, Avalanche alumni and his numbers retired. Is here golfing a two-time Stanley Cup champion, his son Cal, who was with Tampa last year, and his name's on it too. So it's a father-son combo today here at the golf course. And they're like I said, we're just at the golf range, about to uh, get ready for the tournament. Oh, and Mother Lord Nature's St- a hockey fan because it's sunny out. <laughs> <laughs> Lord Stanley gets a, a real fun off season. How has the 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 reign of the Avalanche, we'll call it, been so far? I mean, you're obviously you know going with every player, getting everyone gets their day with the cup. Is there a player or family that really has, has stood out as uh, maybe a little more fun than the others? Well, you know what? I mean, obviously, all of them do them differently, and then depends where you are, the cultures, food, and and the drink plays a big part of it. We spent uh, 15 days in Europe, and we were in uh, Czech Republic with Fra- uh, Pavel Frankus, uh, one of the goalies for the Avalanche, and he lives in Pilsen, Czech, which is where Pilsner. So we went down underground to the uh, the beer tanks down there that pretty well the whole town is that, and it's because of that that Pilsner beer is around the world now. So to be down there was with a Stanley cup party going on. It was, it was pretty unique, pretty bizarre, but I think pretty special. But like I said, all the guys have unique things they do that are part of their, part of their culture. We were at a sauna on a sauna ferry up in Northern Finland a couple of weeks ago as well. And, uh, you know, it sounds weird going out on a boat and just have a sauna party, but in Finland, it's part of life. So each guy is different and it's all been special. And, Fortunately, fingers crossed, the airports have uh, been okay, rental cars okay, planes, trains, and automobiles have all worked out so far. Phil, I'm, I'm always curious. So, like, we, we see the photos on, on social media of guys with the cup, like, whether it's in the morning eating cereal out of it with their kids, doing all this stuff. Like, do you ever leave the cup? Like, are, are you, with their whole day, are you with the cup the entire time? Do you, do, like, are, is there any point where those guys are, are, where the cup is not with you, or are you with it 24-7? No, no, we're always we're always within, I don't know, say, twenty feet of it, somewhere like that. Uh, a lot of the guys they start off with the breakfast with the family, uh, 
Uh, we started off this morning with a, a breakfast buffet with family and friends here. And like I said, now we're at the golf tournament and later on tonight, we'll be at a dinner party and that, but we're always around and then, uh, head off to the next guy and the travel and road show continues. Do you have a favorite year with the cup? Uh, wow. Like I've been doing them for 33, 1988. I started. So 34 years. This is this year. I, I think for me, I don't, I don't know if there's a favorite year. I think every time we go to a new city or a new country, that that is pretty special because you you see the fans for the first time you see how exciting they are but more importantly you see the guy bring it back to his community and I, I think that's what makes it so special so to narrow it down for a year is is pretty tough I know 1999 Dallas Stars was probably one of the craziest years <laughs> we had uh, but a, but the favorite one I mean to like. I remember going to Anzi Kopitar in Slovenia, and it was the first time the Cup went there. It was so special for him, and he was such a proud native of Slovenia to bring it home for the kids and that. And I think that's what makes it special. They're thrilled to go home and and celebrate with their families and friends. They they know the team is much more than they on the ice. It's their first coach or teachers or things like that, which makes it special. And I, I think for all of them, it, it's it's pretty unique. Phil, when you take the cup to someone's house or an arena or anywhere where you may be going over the last 33 years, do you have to kind of set some ground rules? I mean, do you have to say, guys, this is what we're allowed to do with the cup. This is what we're not allowed to do with the cup. And a follow up to that, if you do have those ground rules, how tough is it to enforce it? Because I'm sure a lot of people who are celebrating with the cup have had a little, uh, you know, celebrating under the influence time before you get there. Yeah, a little a little oat soda, as they call it. Nowadays. Exactly. Uh, you know what? It's, it's funny because it's a great question. Uh, so we usually in touch with them a couple of weeks out, so we have an idea of what their their day is looking like uh, from whether they're doing public events or whether they're, the town is doing a parade or a community event for them, and, and what their private events are. But when we and then the day before we talk to them and you know make sure we're meeting them at the right spot and everything. And then the day of when we sit with them in the morning, we kind of go through some, we call them housekeeping rules or rules of the road or whatever you want them to be. Uh, but for the guys, they're so respectful of what the Stanley Cup is and, and what it represents. And they know how hard it was to win. So for the guys, it, it's not the biggest issue. It's usually their buddies that are the, the biggest contributors to it all. And, <laughs> And not in a negative way. They're they're so excited for their their friend that won the Stanley Cup, but they want to be part of it, and they are a part of it. But they don't go to the public events, and they don't get the autographs and do the photos like the player does or whatever. So they they're starting drinking at ten o'clock in the morning. So by the time we go to the party at night, they're well on their way, and there's red flags going up all over the place. Keep an eye on this guy, this guy, this guy, and that, which makes it unique. So, so back to your question, that's really what we have to worry about. The guy is so thrilled to be able to share it and to have time and spend it. That's, that's usually great because he's, he's achieved what he set out to do in hockey is, is to win the Stanley cup. And, and they're not going to do things to, to damage it and that, but it's their buddies. You've got to, kind of keep an eye on is is there anything that sticks out in your mind in the 33 years a, a crazy 
request or, or something that a guy wanted to do that, that you had to say, no, sorry, we, we just cannot do that? Well, yeah, yeah, see, we've been mountain climbing. We've been uh, sea doing. Like I said, we had a sauna party. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, Philip Grubauer, uh, one of the goalies for Washington, we, we were, uh, he's from the Bavarian mountains in Germany and he's a real Bavarian mountain man. Like he wears the leader hose year round. Cause that's what they do in Germany. And he met us at the Munich airport. And it was funny at the Munich airport, it's got a glass kind of window between arrivals and the, the guests that are picking you up. And we could see him on the other side and people are getting photos and everything. And I thought, holy smokes, like he's popular. Like I, I didn't know hockey was that big in his area. So finally we get out and we're talking to him. And I said, Phil, I, I, I don't want to be rude, but I didn't know you were this popular. And he said, I'm not. He goes, they thought I was an Oktoberfest promotion. <laughs> <laughs> I wear this year round. <laughs> he goes, so then we get the cup out and people go crazy and they figure out who he is. And, but the next morning we, he wanted to go mountain climbing. So, yeah, no problem. You, you take the trolley up so high, and then you got to m- climb the rest of the way. And we're climbing up the mountain, and we're going to a restaurant right at the very top of the Bavarian Mountains. And I'll, I guess the reflection from the silver of the cup, all these cows came running over towards us. Wow. And I'm saying, holy, well, like, what's going on here? And, I, you know, the cows have their things over there. I, I don't know if the silver attracts to them, but they kind of surrounded us, and and Phil's looking at it, and he, he puts the cup down, and of course they want to stick their head inside because they can smell the beer or whatever was in there already. And here we are on the top of the Vibrarian Mountains thinking, well, I never thought this was going to happen. So did we plan that? No. Did it turn out that way? Yeah. Uh, if if he asked again, would we do that? We, it might be a different answer, but it all worked out great, and I think I – think, uh, one of the card companies use that photo as their hockey card scam that year too. So you never know what's going to happen when you hear the request. Once they explain it all to you, it's got a lot of meaning. If you hear at it just as the request, eh, maybe you're not doing that. But once you understand why, a lot of them make a lot of sense. Do you think um, the invention of smartphones and social media has changed these parties at all? <laughs> I that's probably a whole nother show. Uh, I, I think, I mean, it's changed our world, obviously, in, in, in the hockey world or the Stanley Cup, for sure it has. Every, every moment we have is, is on either Instagram, Twitter, or uh, TikTok now, everywhere we go. And, I mean, as we all know, cameras are everywhere and they're, they're showing it all. But it, it certainly changed everything. I know this morning when we were sitting with Adam and Cal, uh, Adam obviously won in 2001 and in 96, way before the uh, invention of the smartphone, his days were totally different than, than Cal's is. And it's just technology is changing, but I mean, you look at cell phones the way they are now and regardless of what it is, it, it's changed the way we w- look at our world. I got to ask you this. I need you to clear this up for me, Phil. I've talked to a lot of people about your job over the years and so many people have claimed they are the reason why Phil Pritchard has a job. I talked to Glenn Healy. He says, no, it was the, ni- it was the 94 Rangers. We, we snapped the top off the cup and we are the reason. I've talked to players on the 88 Oilers who said, no, no, no. We destroyed that yeah. thing. We're- 
Clear us up. Who's patient zero? Who was the reason that you've had a job for 33 years? Well, I don't know if there's an exact one. Like, as we all know, in hockey, everything evolves. And I, I've talked to Glenn at length about it before and Paul Coffey and Wayne. And I, I tell Glenn, I said, Glenn, I don't know if breaking the cup is a thing you should advertise. I mean, you guys worked hard and that took 54 years for the Rangers to win it. And you're talking about breaking it. Like you should be, what's your celebration like? But I think for, for my job, particularly and all the cup keepers, it's, uh, it evolved into something. And it's evolved into more than I think we actually thought it was going to be. The idea was to share the cup with friends and family and let the player worry about his commitments. And we'd look after the cup and do commissioner Bettman and everyone at the league and at the hall of fame and the board of governors. It, it has turned into this. And at some ways it seems bigger than the sport now. And Glenn certainly was a part of it. And Paul Coffey and Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux and Trotche and all those guys, they were all part of it. And their names are on there and they're part of the union of the Stanley Cup forever. So I think everyone plays a role in what the Stanley Cup is and what it represents. Uh, Phil, I'm going to let you go after you fill in the blank for me on this one. I know you're in charge of making sure. <laughs> Great. I, I know you're in charge of making sure that thing tries to stay in one piece. But what words came out of your mouth when you gave the cup to the Colorado Avalanche and a mere minutes later, Nicholas Obey-Kubel dents the Stanley Cup while bringing it to the team picture? What words came out of your mouth? Well, I don't know if I can say it on on this podcast. Yes, you can. But it was basically holy crap. <laughs> it was basically holy crap. And it was on, obviously, all the media networks were on and watched it. And I remember after the team photo, and this is the funniest part, uh, we go over to see how the cup is. And one of the avalanche leans on top of me and he goes, I've never seen him skate that fast in his life. And I don't know if you remember, he, he had, was doing an interview and he had the cup. And he was skating over to the team photo. It was like he thought he was going to miss the team photo. I don't think he realized he had the cup. And obviously he hit a hit something from the ice. But the guy said, that's the fastest I've ever seen Nicholas skate, which is which was pretty funny. But at the same time, it was a horrible start to the Colorado Avalanche Stanley Cup uh, celebration. But we've got a lot better. And his day, Nicholas's day was great in Montreal, and as they all have been. And they all have been for sure. And if you want to keep up with that, make sure to go on Twitter uh, and follow Keeper of the Cup. Phil, thanks so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the summer and uh, enjoy your, your round on the course today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, guys. And maybe after the summer's uh, over, we can uh, continue the conversation and fill in more blanks. I can't wait. I can't wait. Thanks so much, Phil. All right. Take care. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Phil Pritchard, the keeper of the cup. And guys, he's needed. Trust me. I remember when Glenn Healy told me that they literally snapped the top off the cup and they had to solder it back together and they actually melted some of the names that were on the cup. So yeah, you can't just, you can't just say, here you go, go enjoy it to a bunch of really, really drunk guys, uh, celebrating. Before we go to break, guys, um, you video game players? Anybody? Yes. Gamers? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm the old Blades of Steel guy. But NHL 23, the cover came out, and we've got Trevor Zegras and Sarah Nurse on the cover. 
um, which obviously is is huge for the women's game. Your thoughts when you saw it? I've got my opinions on how it looks, but first off, the fact that Sarah Nurse is on the cover of NHL 23. Sarah? Yeah, it's incredible. Um, she's the first female athlete on an EA Sports cover, I believe. That is amazing for that, but obviously then you look at the cover itself. I guess we'll get into that, but love it. I don't know. I like Zegris too there. I know people were like, he didn't win the Calder. He shouldn't be there, but come on. He is fun and he's growing the game. I like this. I, I totally, the cover athletes, awesome. Trevor Zegris may not be the best hockey player in the world, but he's the, like, to me, he is the, like, prototypical, like, video game cover guy because he yeah. does stuff you can only do yeah. in video games um, on the ice. He's the only one that does this ridiculous stuff. So, to me, he's perfect for a video game cover. I love that they've got Nurse on there. Like Sarah said, huge moment. I didn't even really realize that until you said it. Uh, first female ever on any EA Sports cover. That's awesome. What sucks is when I saw that cover, I didn't think of any of that. I thought, holy crap, is that terrible looking? Um, I don't understand. Uh, it's, it's, it looks like they're standing in front of a green screen that they put palm trees in front of. I, they may or may not be standing on blocks of ice. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Maybe they'll explain later why the cover looks this way. It's an awful looking cover with two cool athletes. That's my thoughts. To clarify, it's the first time a woman's hockey player has oh. been on EA Sports cover. Sorry about that. Um, why not just have them playing hockey? Like, I, I don't know why we had to do this whole palm tree, they're in shorts, hockey's cool. Like, just have them both on there in a cool, tough hockey pose and game over. Uh, I agree with everything you guys said about Sarah Nurse. I agree with everything you guys said about how just ugly – that cover is, but I guess we got to take the wins where we can get them. Uh, guys, what are we working on this week? Jesse? I'm, I'm, I'm chatting with some players. It's It's been a while. It's been all summer, and for the Golden Knights, this has seemed like an incredibly long offseason. They haven't had one this long, um, so I'm finally getting around to talking to the players. Uh, not going to reveal who they are, but uh, got, some, got some stories coming up after chatting with players on how their summers were. Uh, really fun stuff. Sarah? I am going to Charleston tomorrow, so I'm taking vacation, and maybe you'll hear from me after. (laughs) I can't wait to find out the first time you're like, yes, I've got this interview, (laughs) because you're on a... You're on a pretty good streak. Thanks, guys. We will uh, talk to you not next week. Just want to let everybody know we will be back uh, September the 7th. We're all going to take a little vacation next week. But before we do, I do want to remind you to give us a follow on your favorite podcast platform and leave a rating and a review. It helps us out a lot. Right now, you get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just $1 a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. The Athletic Hockey Show returns on Thursday. Ian Mendez, down goes Brown, take over the reins. And like I said, we will be back September 7th. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you then.